Romans chapter Romans chapter 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God it is very fascinating that the apostle Paul did not see our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh but he still caught that singular vision and purpose of the centrality of the divine will in the life of the Christian so many even till today so many they don't understand it they don't even they don't even know it that there's no other way to live life except to continually prove in every situation in every sphere of life what is that good what is that acceptable and what is that perfect will of god now he begins this by saying that the only way to do this is to present your bodies a living sacrifice now he uses two adjectives there the number one is living and number two is sacrifice and they are very very important in the understanding of the pursuit of the divine will okay and a sacrificial animal is an animal that has lost every right you know it has been selected it has been chosen to be the sacrifice and so it has lost even the right to live because he must be the sacrifice so but then after he's killed he becomes a dead sacrifice and as a dead sacrifice there's nothing more he can do but that is not what the apostle had in mind a dead sacrifice of what use is that he said no a living sacrifice you see you are a sacrifice but you still live but then you the life you live is a sacrificed a sanctified sacrificed life where you relinquish your rights in order to pursue holiness that is acceptable to God in order to pursue the divine way a lot of people you know eh, 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 imagine that you could do uh, self will and do God's will at the same time i said <laughs> it's a contradiction it's either you're doing God's will or you're doing self will you can't do both 
and to do God's will, then this underlying mindset of a living sacrifice must be the controlling mindset. You know, I have already offered myself to be and to do as it demands. That's the sacrifice. You know, a sacrifice has already offered itself to be and to do for whatever purpose. So, but the sacrifice, once it's killed, is dead. But we are not dead, we are alive. But we are also living sacrifices because we are now to do as he desires, to be whatever he wants, to, to, to act in whatever way he desires. It is this totality of ownership that, that is fundamental to Christianity. It is all about God and nothing about me. Whatever is of me is a reflection of what he wants. I'm here to be and to do what he wants. So when you take that into life, hmm, all kinds of challenges emerge. Because when you deal with people, you have to represent God. You know, when you deal with situations, I have to represent God. And that's where all the sacrifices come. So to represent God, I have to give up my rights. To represent God, I have to forgive. I have to bless even when they're cursing. I have to, I have to build even when they're pulling down. I have, you know, it is such an unbelievable demand that it's only by the Spirit that such a life is possible. A living sacrifice. And not only am I supposed to be a living sacrifice, I'm supposed to be holy. So, all this matter of uh, doing evil that good may come, it has no place. You know, uh, the Machiavellian principle, the end justifies the means. There is no such place. Because that sacrifice must be holy. And it has to be acceptable to God. You know, Cain and Abel are great examples. Cain, Abel brought a sacrifice, Cain brought a sacrifice. One was acceptable to God, one was not acceptable to God. It shows you the, 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 the how will I describe it? You know, what we say when we give offering. You know, a man said, bring an offering to God. He said, God will multiply it a hundredfold if you bring today. <laughs> then you ask yourself, has God accepted it first? You know, you're already multiplying. Has he accepted it? Because every sacrifice must be acceptable to God. And you cannot sit down and say, every offering everybody brings today is acceptable to God. Do you know the spirit in which they're bringing it? Do you know the source from which they're bringing it? You know, do you know, do you know the antecedents to their offering? How can you declare it acceptable to God? You can only do so if you are God. But now we do all those things to encourage people to bring money. <laughs> Or bring sacrifice. But those are the, 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 some of the manipulations of religion. 
that you and I are not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. You know, I see, I see people go all the lengths, all this. I say, no, no, don't do that. If God, if God cannot persuade people to bring money, don't try to persuade them yourself. So just tell them to, 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 to give for a need, to give unto God. So if God will not persuade them, then don't, don't persuade them yourself. You know, because their offering has to be acceptable to God so that they can receive a reward. You know, I've told you uh, uh, here repeatedly that offering must be quickened by the Spirit so that it will have life because Jesus taught us that only the Spirit has life. So if an offering is quickened by the Spirit, then it will have life. It certainly will bring a reward. That's why you say to people, uh, the Apostle Paul said, let every man do, give as he has purposed in his heart. No, don't give by persuasion. Give by the Spirit as you have been persuaded in your heart. No. So, I beseech you, in other words, it's like kneeling down and saying, I beg my brother, I beg my sister, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That is the least, that is the least you can, you and I can do. That's what that reasonable service means. That's the least you can do because of what has transpired through the incarnation that God became a man. You know, the word became flesh just for you and I. And then this matter of worldliness, I had an occasion to attend a child's 10th year um, birthday. They staged it in an amusement, a children's amusement park. The children had a lot of fun and uh, were running up and down with a lot of ice cream and food. And, and I just sat there watching this thing. Then later on, I called the woman who staged the feast. I said, is there anything about God in this thing you have done? <laughs> or is this just entertainment for entertainment's sake? <laughs> I said, we don't have any business entertaining for entertaining entertainment's sake. We don't. Everything we do must be as a sacrifice to God. It must be geared at uh, revealing God to the world. So don't let the way of the world control you. you know, and it is so easy to become worldly without, without knowing it. You know, you have become so worldly, everything. I went to someone's birthday party and I saw them smooshing, you know, holding hands, dancing. I said, Christian, smooshing, what is the meaning of it? Are you missing it in the world? <laughs> So see, after you got converted and you are no longer doing such a thing, now, now, you are looking for opportunity to be smooshing. I said, what? I said, what is the meaning of that? <laughs> you don't have enough in God to satisfy you. 
that you must follow the way of the world. He said, yes, Christians, we dance, but we dance to the glory of God, not smooshing. And then some people will turn around and say, brother, don't take it too serious. Let us have fun. I said, uh-huh. You see, worldliness has its way. And before you know it, you see, it has crept into you. And all of every consideration is how it looks to men. It's all about men and how they see it and how they see you and how they, you know, before you know it, you have become worldly. And, uh, and uh, the book says, friendship with this world in James chapter four. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You see, many Christians resist the, the divine isolation, you know. But this is what Christianity is about, right? All the way from Abraham, divine isolation. Come and be separate. Come and be different. They say, yes, I will come, but I don't need to be different. <laughs> I said, how can you come and not be different? You know, you cannot come unless you are prepared to be different. Unless you are prepared to, to, to preach the gospel of the centrality of God in the life of a man and the worship of God in everything and through everything. I think the Apostle Paul had a issues on this with the Philippian church and he was speaking to them about moderation moderation so moderation is uh, subject to personal interpretation so you know what is still the principle of godly living that uh, everything in moderation so 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 don't join the world to try and try and show that uh, the spirit is still here and that we will not lose the spirit when, when we are doing this. All of a sudden, the spirit is grieved and he's left us. It is, it is a very important thing for a Christian. And unfortunately, it's an individual thing. It's an individual thing. Every individual has to make up their mind about this. Okay. Okay. Okay, Philippians, yes, Philippians 4, 7. Um, no, no, 5 is 5. Let your moderation, that, that word gentleness, there is moderation. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So, so, so brethren, um, um, this matter of being transformed by the renewing of the mind, it is so fundamental to our Christian calling. I have to change the way I think. That's what it means. I have to change the way. I have to change my value system. And I don't have to have apologized to anybody for it. No. I have to. You know, when we preached this gospel in the 70s, one of our professors that we led to Christ he came to us and said, I will be um, 40 years in a few weeks. I want to celebrate it the way Jesus said. So I'm going to have a party at the motherless baby's home 
Because Jesus said, when you have a party, invite those who can't invite you back. So we all went to the motherless baby's home and uh, they had a, a great party for them, you know, with food and drinks. You know, when people do such radical things, you know, because 40th birthday was such a big thing in UI in those days. You know, professors had big parties for their 40th birthday, you know. But this man, after he got born again, he said, no, let's do it the way Jesus said, you know. Go, go and celebrate with those who can't invite you back. What is the point? celebrating with those who can invite you back you know then somebody might get up and say that is taking it too far i said we haven't even taken it far not to talk about uh, too far so so this matter of being transformed by the renewing of your mind is a judgment you see because it says so that you may prove you may prove, not, not to the world, to yourself. You see, to the world, you don't have an apology. But to yourself, you must prove that this is good and acceptable and perfect will of God for yourself. So that you will do it in conscience. You do it in conscience. A lot of people are struggling with this. I say, no. Because it's so fundamental to the orientation you and I need to present ourselves before God as a living sacrifice so that God can do with us as he pleases, so that he can send us where he pleases, so that he can make us model and reveal whatever he pleases. It's an awesome calling. And above all, it's a great privilege to be numbered amongst those chosen by heaven to model the life of Christ on, on the earth. It's such a privilege. The reward may not be known on earth, but certainly there's a reward for it in heaven. Amen. Amen.